0: Good to see everybody here this morning. Slim crowd, but we're going for quality, not quantity today. Sit down, Mitch. <laughs>
1: Stand up, Bob. Huh? Oh, you are sorry. Uh,
0: sorry, just short. Well, the only thing we have this morning in a way of announcements is the... Uh, Spiritual Warfare Conference uh, this week, this coming weekend, right, Mitch? Yes. Do you want to give us any details on that?
1: Sure. Uh, Friday evening, starting at uh, 6 o'clock, we will have uh, chili and vixens. Uh And then after we're done eating, we will have the first session of the uh, Warfare Conference. David Leland will be speaking, and uh, honestly, I don't remember all the different titles. I don't have one of the brochures with me, but if you have one, you can look. There's four sessions. Each one has its own title. Uh, so uh, we should be out of here by 8 o'clock uh, Friday night, <clears throat> and then Saturday morning, we'll pick back up. At uh, We start at 8, and we will have a continental breakfast, coffee, juice, milk, and donuts, that sort of thing. And then after that, we will start the second session, uh, which is Brent Calloway. Then I have the third session, and then uh, Herman closes out. And we expect to be done by noon. After all the sessions, each session is only going to be about 30 minutes long. And then we're going to have question and answer time afterward. So, you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I grew up without ever hearing about spiritual warfare. in the Baptist Church, never heard of it. I knew there was spiritual struggles and that sort of thing. But as far as spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God, none of that. I never heard much about any of that, and, uh, but I've learned <laughs> uh, that there is this war going on between good and evil, and we're caught in the middle. The evil forces want to draw you to sin, and God is trying to woo us and win us for righteousness, so it's important to understand all about spiritual warfare and how to win and what to look for to know when you're being attacked. And that's what this conference is for. So if you can be there, be there.
0: Okay, thank you. Do we have any birthdays this week? At least one. There's Penny. Who else?
2: It's not my birthday, it's my, our granddaughters, Jane and Brianna both have birthdays.
0: Okay, two granddaughters have birthdays. Did I see another hand someplace? Over the house. Hale. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> Gail and Freddie and uh, v- 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 Mark. V- Mark. And Mark. You had another Mark? Levi. Levi. Okay. Who did I miss? 39. 39. You and Jack Benny. Do you play the violin, Mark? <laughs> Levi? Never mind. He's asking a question. I'm sorry. I just wonder if you played the, uh, the violin like Jack Benny. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he does paint,
1: though.
0: Right, good. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless Happy birthday to you. Okay, anniversaries. No anniversaries, all birthdays this week, that's fine. Well, praise the Lord, it's good to be here. You missed your line, Mitch. Good to be anywhere. Yeah, At our age. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Happy, happy. Hmm. Uh, I know (laughs) it's a wonderful day praise the Lord anyway let's turn to uh, our opening hymn number 95 revive us again let's stand and sing What a friend we have in Jesus.
1: Father God, we thank you for the privilege we have to be your child, to be a child of the king, a child of the kingdom. Lord, because we are your child, we are allowed to come boldly to the throne of grace and to request of you. And you being our loving heavenly father, you hear and you give us a righteous answer. Sometimes it's no, but it's always what is right. So Lord, we ask you this morning as we gather here, we come before you to worship you. And Lord, all we ask this morning is that you allow us to love you. Allow our hearts to open up to you, to feel your presence, to hear what you say to us, and to love you, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: May our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may receive it. <clears throat> Our communion hymn this morning is number 262, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. brought to us this morning by uh, Brother John Clemick.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Often our spiritual life, the thing meant to refresh us ends up being a burden. I need to read my Bible more, pray more, and invest in others. When we don't do these as much as we'd like, They become a source of guilt rather than joy. And because life is so busy and our mind is on the next thing, even our time in the Word and prayer is distracted rather than resting on Christ. Every week we have sins to fight, which wears us out, and areas where we fail, which piles on the guilt and sense of failure. Not to mention, we have trials we're enduring. Pain in our life or those we love, burdens we carry, and areas of our life we're searching for wisdom. Jesus said we will be weary, and in this world we will have troubles. Peter said we will have burdens and anxieties we carry. But Peter also tells us to cast those burdens and anxieties on God, because he cares for us and will carry them for us. Jesus assures us that though in this world we have troubles, our peace is found in him. Jesus invites us to come find rest by resting in him. When we come to the table of the Lord's Supper, we are coming to find rest at a slow-down, sit-down meal where we are served rather than serving. Though we approach food and meals with a fast-food mentality of getting and eating our food quickly so we can move on to the next thing, the Lord's Supper forces us to take a seat with others, pause, and take notice of what is set before us. When we set our minds on Jesus and his broken body and spilled blood for our sin, our souls are restored by what we have in Christ. Amen. There is also rest in Jesus through whatever valley, trial, worry, or fear we face today. The bread and the cup are a reminder that if God gave us Jesus, the most costly gift of all, he will give us everything else we need. If God saved us and made us his children through Jesus, if he defeated evil and our sin problem, then we can trust he also has good plans for us and will carry us through whatever we are facing today. If he gave us Jesus in our sin, how much more will he take care of us as his children? Despite our burdens and trials, there is rest in Jesus because we are loved and cared for. Yes. Communion is not a message about what we need to do, but what has been done for us. Amen. It's not a message about our ability to solve our problems, but God's ability and kindness to solve them. Yes. The gospel then frees us From carrying the weight of the world and the weight of our spiritual walk on our shoulders, because God has taken care of us, providing for us, and at work for us. Rest in Him today. Be still before the Lord by resting in Christ. Any burden, sin, trial, or weight you carry today, cast it on the Lord in prayer. Feel the bread between your fingers as a physical reminder. That helps you say to God, as real as this bread is in my hand, so is the provision in Christ, and so I now, so I know, I can trust you today with this thing. Take it, carry it, help me rest by resting in you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, today we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to remember the extraordinary sacrifice you made in sending Jesus your beloved son, to be with us. Lord, we come to you now to ask for forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or deeds that have not honored your name. We are also truly sorry for the times we have chosen to live selfishly rather than heed your calling. We invite you into our hearts now as we take communion. As we share this meal, come bind us together as one family filled with your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is at work in our lives. Amen.
0: I've always thought of the word communion as having another meaning, a way to come in union with God. Let's take a few moments and just quietly, one-on-one, speak to the Lord and listen to Him. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to eat the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body broken for you, eat ye of it. After they had eaten, he took the cup, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praising Lord, worshiping him, turn to number 500. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. up already? You're up already. we give you plenty of time this morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Mm. Just think one day we'll be in the real house of the Lord. What a glorious day that will be. All right, well. I tell you what, I went to the two nights of revival and it was amazing, it was very refreshing and uh, especially the last night, Friday night, the message was just powerful, a great reminder that we need to do what the word says take it seriously not make excuses but obey I'm sure that some of the folks who were there will share when they're ready some of their experiences but uh, I was very moved and I Appreciated it very much. So looking forward to this weekend, also. Spiritual warfare ought to be also very powerful. Alright, this morning we're ready for Matthew 27, 27 through 31, uh, talking about when the soldiers mocked Jesus. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Father God, thank you. Thank you. You sent your son. Lord, Jesus, thank you. You came. You went through all of that for me. You went through all of that for all mankind. Because you love us. Because you want to be in a relationship with us. You want us to love you in return for the love that you have always had for us from the creation. So Lord, this morning, draw us closer. Let us receive more of your love and give you more of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you can put a picture in your mind of this scene, but from the garden, from even in the upper room, where they had the Lord's Supper. I, I have often seen in my mind and had this picture. You know, in, in the upper room, they were happy, celebrating. It was kind of a somber environment because of the celebration uh, of the Passover. And yet, they were pleased to have this. Relationship with the Lord Jesus. Here he is, the master. They're sitting around the table with the master, breaking bread together. And then he changes the tradition along the way. And he makes it more about himself. As he explains, just as we partook moments ago of the Lord's Supper. And he was telling them That this is my body, my blood. Then he went out to the garden to pray. He had sent Judas on his way to do what he was going to do. Went out to the garden to pray. And he was praying. As he was praying, he prayed so intensely that he sweat drops of blood. Why? Because he knew what was coming. What we just read, and this is just the beginning of it. And then the betrayer came. Brought the soldiers and betrayed the Lord with a kiss. You know, it was dark and probably uh, they all looked very similar. They all had beards. And, uh, so it would have been difficult In that dark setting to be able to tell the difference between who was whom. But Judas would have heard the voice of Jesus, if nothing else, and recognized who he was. But he knew him better than the others anyway. And so he walked up to Jesus to make sure that they got the right one and kissed him. And then they arrested Jesus. There was a scuffle along the way, but that was settled, and they took Jesus away. They took Jesus before the high priest, the former high priest first, then the high priest, and and the Sanhedrin condemned him to death, not because of the witness of any man, but because of the words that he spoke from his own mouth. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. Blasphemy! What do you say? Worthy of death. Well, they couldn't kill anybody on their own, so they had to take him before the Romans. So they took him before Pilate. And as they were there, Pilate questioned Jesus And he said, I find no fault with this man. He was even warned by his wife who'd had a dream not to have anything to do with this righteous man. You know, that was the key to the whole dream was that he was a righteous man. He's done nothing wrong. And when Pilate could not influence them to change their minds from the death penalty, he got water. In a basin, had it wrought. And he washed his hands in front of them and said, I have nothing to do with this innocent man's blood. And they said, His blood be on us and on our children. Wow. Bloodthirsty. They wanted the blood. They felt like they were doing something righteous and holy. As they were killing the son of God. Then he was turned over to the soldiers. Hmm. He was turned over to the soldiers. And what do they do? Well you've got to realize. You know these soldiers are rough characters. I mean. You know, their whole life is about fighting, about death. They're constantly training and preparing. And in this particular situation, they had been posted where they are to oversee the Jews, the bad people, the enemy, to make sure, because they'd had uprisings in the past. They'd had problems out of these Jewish people. They often... Stirred up the people. And they had riots. And they had problems. And they were used to going in. And just thumping heads. Even killing them. Just to quash. The riots. To stop it. To shut them down and shut them up. So when this other Jew. Came into their. Hands. Claiming to be. The king of the Jews. Well, they just had fun with it. Now, in the background of all this, see, there were demons. That was leading these people to do these heinous acts. Even the demons were influencing the leaders of the Jewish people to have Jesus killed. We know that because the scripture verifies it. And the things they did to the Son of God. I mean, let's just say for a moment that he wasn't the Son of God. That this was just any other human being that would still be cruel. I don't care who it is. That was just cruel the way they treated this human being, this man. Pure cruelty: Slapping him, spitting on him, mocking him, putting a thorn of crowns on him, and then smacking him on the head with a stick. And all of this prior to taking him to crucify him. This was just leading up to. But because he was the son of God, and because he said he was the son of God, And the king of the Jews, they mocked him even more. They wrapped a robe around him, took his they stripped his clothes off of him. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was joining the military when I was going in the Navy, everybody had to strip down naked to go through to get your shots, and that was hard for me. I mean, taking your clothes off in front of a whole bunch of people, even women, nurses, giving shots. That's just not normal for me. And so here he was stripped down naked before all these soldiers while they were mocking him. And they put this purple robe. Probably was, you know, you've seen the Roman soldier's uniform with the capes, the purple red red or purple capes they wore. Probably one of them they took off and threw it around him. And then they put that crown of thorns on his head, and then they put a stick in his hand, and then they knelt down, Hail, King of the Jews! Mocking. Not much different than later on when people say, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross, and we'll believe you. Then they spit on him. And they hit him in the head with that stick that they had given to mock him. You know, you think about all of that and how horrible that was. But then stop and think. How many times in my life have I hurt the Lord? Every time we sin, we break his heart. Every time we sin, it's like slapping him again. The Bible even says that it's like crucifying him afresh, like we're doing it to him all over again. That's how he feels when we sin, like we're doing this to him all over again. I don't know about you, but that hurts me to know I hurt him that deeply. Because I love him. I love Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my being, with all of my soul. One day I know I'm going to be with him forever. And so I don't want to stand before him and him saying, remember that time? (laughs) Yes, Lord, I remember. I'm so sorry. I don't think that will happen really because our sins are cast as far is the East is from the West. And I'm grateful for that. But you know what? That doesn't make it okay to keep on sinning. We, we don't realize how often that we take advantage of grace. We use grace as an excuse to keep on sinning. Oh, God will forgive me. He. I've heard people say, God has to forgive me. No, He doesn't. No, He does not have to forgive. And if you don't repent with a heart that's right, a heart that really is repentant, a heart that really is broken, about your sin and you truly want to do right from now on, if we don't come to him with that brokenness, with that realization of how ugly sin really is and that we have really and truthfully wanted Christ to cleanse us, but often people just want fire insurance. Oh, I'm coming to Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. Recently, somebody told me they had a friend who said, Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe I have to do anything. How many have that attitude? How many say, Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Yeah. Here, let's get high. Let's get drunk. Let's go rob a bank. <laughs> you know, I've I've heard many times, and I know I've said this many times, but it's sickening to me how often I hear people say things like, Well, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Think about that for just a minute. Let's say that you use that same logic with your spouse. (laughs) Oh, well, I spent that money. I knew you'd forgive me, honey. (laughs) Well, yeah, I... I had this affair, but I knew you'd forgive me, honey. I knew if I asked, you'd say no. (laughs) Yeah. If it doesn't work with man, why would it work with God? God is perfect in all ways. And so we want to take advantage of his perfection. We want to hurt him. We want to crucify him all over again. So he can forgive us again. Doesn't work that way, folks. You know, I can remember times in my life with certain things that I knew I was supposed to do or not to do. And I would keep doing them if I wasn't supposed to. And then I'd say, Lord, forgive me. And I'd do it again. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Do it again, Lord. Sorry, forgive me. Do it again, Lord. I'm sorry, forgive me. And in that pattern one time, I ended up flat on my back in the hospital. And I said, Lord, will you help me? And the Lord said, well, are you done with playing with that sin yet? (laughs) Um... Yep. Are you sure? Yep. Guess what? I got better. And guess what? I broke the habit. It don't always work that way. But God was allowing me to learn. God was showing me something that I needed to change. And he was also showing me the seriousness of not changing it. In other words, taking advantage of his love and his grace and his mercy. You know, God's love has no ending. God's mercy has no ending. God's grace has no ending. But it can only be received by those who honestly Confess and repent and obey. Truly obey. Now, I want to ask you something. It may sound silly, but I want to ask you something. If you had a job, a boss on this job said, Okay, I want you to go dig a hole. Okay, boss. And you're standing here waiting for the rest of the instructions. But you don't get them. What are you going to do? Dig a hole in the middle of the parking lot? (laughs) You're going to dig a hole somewhere and then the boss come over and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't want a hole here. You didn't tell me where you wanted a hole or how big of a hole or what the purpose of the hole was. You didn't have all the instructions, so you didn't know what to do. Now, you could have just done nothing, and when the boss came, said, well, yeah, I was waiting for you to tell me. Where do you want it? Or, even better yet, you could have asked. Okay, you want me to build a, uh, dig a hole? Where do you want it? <laughs> What's it for? How big? And my point behind that story is, if we don't read the Word of God... We don't have the instructions to know how to obey Jesus, do we? How well do you know the Word of God? Because how well you know the Word of God is how well you know God. There is no way around that, folks. People sometimes want to say, well, you know, I don't need to read the Word of God. God gives me revelations. Well, guess what? God does give revelations, but... The revelation He gives is to help us understand the Word. He doesn't give us anything that's outside of the Word. And if you get something that's outside of the Word, it's not from God. It's from the other side. I remember reading one time, there was a a story about uh, a a war. And I don't know if this was a true story or made up fiction. I have no idea, but I read it somewhere sometime. And, and there was a war going on. And a signal came across the radio that told the soldiers they needed to go be at a certain place at a certain time and be ready. So they went there. And they were ready. Only problem was, that message came from the enemy. And while they were over here, the enemy went over here and attacked and won. The same thing happens spiritually, Folks. We can get a message from the enemy if we're not familiar with God's word. If we don't know what we're supposed to do, then the enemy can influence us to do something else. And we miss the mark. That is one of the definitions of sin, by the way, is missing the mark. Do you think that Jesus... Enjoyed all this pain he suffered? Do you think he was sitting there going, oh, I love this, do it some more? Somehow I just don't picture that. Somehow I just don't see that this was something that he could enjoy. I don't see that this was something that he thought was funny. It's something he knew was necessary to pay the price, the debt, for my sin and for yours. And he was willing to do that. And it says, once for all, every man, woman, child, covered by the blood of Jesus, if We are willing to confess that we're sinners against a holy and righteous God. If we repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And obey what he says. Be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us. He's done everything for us to make it possible for us to live righteous and holy lives. And yet we laugh and scorn him when we turn our backs, when we sin, and just think it's okay because he has to forgive me. He's God. Oh, he just loves, loves, loves. Yeah, he does love. He loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay in a sinful state. And he did everything possible, everything necessary, so that we don't have to. But when we refuse to accept it, when we refuse to obey it, when we refuse to take it seriously, when we refuse to make it our lifestyle to live it every minute of every day, not just on Sunday morning, not just on Sunday night, every moment of every day. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, is right here with us. He's saying, hey, what about me? Am I in your schedule today? Are you going to spend some time with me? I want to worship with you. I want, I want, to, I want to help you to understand the Word of God. Get in the Word of God so I can guide you through it. He's saying, come on, come on, let's worship. Come on, let's go, let's go help somebody. Come on, let's go tell somebody about Jesus. And often we're so callous in our bad choices and our bad habits that we don't hear him saying those things. But he says it to all of us. You know how I know that? What's the Great Commission say? Go and make disciples, teaching them all that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to teach more. To teach others, to bring others. Oh, it's quiet. Real quiet this morning. Why? Why is everybody so quiet? I don't hear an amen. I don't hear glory to God. I don't care how hallelujah. I don't I, I think I could hear a pin drop while ago. How we doing, folks? It's time for the church to be the church. It's time to stop playing. The end is coming for all of us. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be 100 years from now. I don't know. But at the end of that time, we're going to stand before that righteous and holy God, the very one who went through all of this for us. If you have a need, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob.
0: Our invitation this morning is Jesus, I Come, number 369. Let's stand and sing.
1: having class tonight?